Welcome to Automation Advocates, a show where we will talk about automation, manufacturing, and meet some of the personalities that are involved in the industry and get their perspectives. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating. Thanks, and here's the show. Episode 21. Uh, Justin, no core, or blah, 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 blah. no Charlie, no Sarah, but across the aisle from me here, I got Corey. Hey. Corey is from Rockwell. Just like you. Right. Just like me. When I'm not doing this, making all the money, right? That's right. So we are here after day one of Pack Expo International Chicago. It's uh, 9.30 p.m. It's been a long day. We uh, we got to the floor what time this morning? Mm, let's see. About 8 o'clock? 8 o'clock-ish. Yeah. So we'll call that a 13-hour day. We took... Uh, Got some setup stuff done in the morning. Yep. Make sure the machines are running. Did a little debugging, a little troubleshooting. Yep. Yeah. What, uh, so this is your first pack expo. It is. Yes. So what's your, uh, you, you landed yesterday. Yeah. Kind of what, what's your impression walking through this, having never been to really any big show. Right. Except for automation fair. Right. right. We should qualify that. So. Yep. Yeah. That's the only one I've been to. Um, that's not a Rockwell sponsored event actually. Uh, and it's just massive. The amount of machinery, the amount of people, the amount of time that people take to set up this stuff is, is, is remarkable actually. You know, the, the care they take and the pride they have with putting their products on the floor and wanting to show them to people and how excited they are to show them and, you know, kind of show off what they've done over the past maybe year, years, right. in development of these machines. Sure. Sure. And I, I think about, you know, the, just the scale of McCormick, right? So we were there, and uh, it takes up the whole North Hall, the whole South Hall, the West, and then the upper and the lower lakefront, right? So it's it's packed. Yeah. There's not much left. I don't know if there is anything left. But, um, yeah, right. it is packed. Uh, I have not walked the whole entire floor yet, which <laughs> I plan to because there's lots of cool stuff to see and... Uh, it's really interesting to see how uh, customers are implementing our products and kind of really seeing how innovative they can get with kind of the bare bones we provide and, you know, the problems they can solve with them is really, really cool to see in action. Sure. So rolling the way back machine here, I guess, to uh, when do you suppose you started working? And, and by the way, you work with customers every day, solving problems, yep. creating solutions, mm-hmm. kind of doing the work, right? Right. When did you start helping people prep for this event? Oh, man. <clears throat> we started prepping, I bet you, three, four months ago, you know, deciding what technologies we want to show off, how we're going to show those off, uh, whether it's going to be, you know, on a screen or if it's going to be physical machinery or, or, or what have you. Um, and it's amazing how much time and prep goes into uh, any of these machines, really. You know, and, and walking the floor, like I said earlier, is all these companies are doing the same thing. Yep. You know, it, it's it's taken months or years to, to put these together and come up with a scheme of why these machines need to be here and what value they can have to the potential customer walking the floor. Um, so, yeah, the, the amount of time that goes into it is is huge. Um, but I think the gains are there. I think even today uh, on Sunday having as much people interested in the equipment we had in our booth, which is, you know, uh, 
the amount of equipment we have is is pretty small compared pretty to some, yeah, yeah compared yeah. to some of them but even having that little bit of equipment people are still interested in the technologies we're bringing uh which is really cool and then you know trying to uh, help them understand why we chose the products we did to show off the technologies we did and then their mind starts running too of like how they can apply what we did in a different way or to solve a different problem which is that's my favorite part of the job right for sure and i think you know that was kind of my history too right was solving some of these problems and what i always got a kick out of was you could walk in somewhere right as a, as a technical professional and take something you learned at a mining company or something completely unrelated and go mm-hmm. well, why is your cereal line why did you do it that way what right. if we just go bloop yep and then magic right right and, and it's that cross-pollination i think that's totally. super interesting for where you and i sit right mm-hmm. is it's it's never the same thing every day. Right. Um, sometimes it might feel that way, but it's totally not. Right. Um, and, and I think, too, you know, the the planning, you mentioned that the planning and kind of the effort and the timing that went into this. Right now, we're still in the middle of this giant supply chain turd. Right. <laughs> so, right. So I start thinking about, OK, well, not only were we trying to t- cherry pick and apply some of the coolest and the best things around like data and augmented reality and, you know, digitization, but it's you know nine month lead time on some of these parts right which means our customers had to make these decisions over a year ago right right? like we left las vegas in 21 (laughs) and they had to immediately go what are we bringing to you know we're bringing to chicago right which is bonkers like i've never in the history of my career seen anything quite that bizarre right yeah it's it's a uh, whole new set of challenges and you know we've seen customers get really creative uh with with using alternative um, offerings that we have and you know maybe one wasn't going to meet their deadline for a machine that was already promised before we had these bigger supply chain shortages Uh, and it's also cool to see where they think they can take features out right so like if they had something before and it's like well do we need to do it that way it kind of forcing a new way to think um, about their machines and you know, maybe instead of having a bunch of hard inputs, they get a networked thing, right? Sure, sure. So, so they're they're looking at these problems with with a different lens because they don't have the products. They, you know, it's always the saying of, "Well, that's how we always did it," or "That's how we mm-hmm. always do it," right? And so it's kind of forcing them to take a step back and say, "Well, how can we solve this problem a different way?" Right. Uh, which is fun too because. You know, Part of my job is doing proof of concept stuff, and usually those, uh, usually those are uh, use cases that customers want to push our products to things that aren't on the PowerPoint or the sure. cut sheet, right? So it's uh, it's given me some you know kind of creative freedom to use other products I didn't use so often because the other ones were readily available, and kind of pushing those ones to the edge and kind of seeing what those can do. So I think it's good from both sides. Customers looking at it different. Now I'm looking at it different. And, you know, in the future now, we've got this kind of whole new alternative solution or at least different ways we can apply our products, which I think is really valuable. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool, too. I had a guy come up today and he was talking about uh, motion control, right? And he's like, hey, so we use your, it's a Kinetics 5500 amplifier. 
And he's like, we use all hardwired safety inputs, mm-hmm. but we use a safety PLC. Yeah, exactly. And he goes, is there any reason why I wouldn't use the network one? And I went, no. In fact, like not using it is almost a disservice to yourself. Right. right. Like, Cost wise, they're almost the same. Yeah. Um, plus or minus a couple percent. Right. Like, but like he was, it didn't take much selling. Right. And as soon as I told right. him, he was like, oh yeah, I really like that. And I'm like, and if you want to go off the far end, right? We've got the advanced safety features, things like, you know, safe speed and all right. these other stuff. But he was just like, no, man, I just want to turn them on and off. And I'm right. like, there's absolutely zero reason why you shouldn't, like every one of them should be that way. Right. Yeah. From a programming standpoint to diagnostics to, you know, having, you know, maybe it's a long distance away or a sub panel where you have to hire an electrician, run conduit, you know, all right. those things that come with the additional cost yeah. of running those wires, you're always going to run the ethernet cable. So Let's just push everything through right. there. So, do you yeah. have any uh, horror stories wiring up safety circuits over the course of your oh, career? Man, I yeah, <laughs> had, a, had a job. You know, so we used to just you know old school wire all the safety switches and everything in series, right? So then you can take your multimeter and everything was always ran back to terminal block. So you just took your meter and terminal block. No, no power. No power. No power. Power. Okay, so it's somewhere in between here, and you you know, trace that, that series circuit back. And you always had that one big MCR in the cabinet and, you know, you'd go correct the one and you'd pull the E-stop and push the reset and you'd hear, and you're like, yeah, you yeah. Know? And now, you know, it would be silly for someone to do that. You know, we have things like guard, um, guard link, uh, yeah. you know, ethernet safety devices and yeah. things that, that we know exactly where that problem is. Oh, without a doubt. And, yeah. You know, it's just, and that was, that was less than 10 years ago, yeah. how far we've come with that. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, much better, much less horror stories. I would say, you know, wiring safety circuits yeah. and, you know, having, you know, a foot and a half of safety relays right, because you right. had so many safety inputs and now all that comes into the PLC, you know, it, it's just like uh, you know, our robotics message too. you know, all of that's integrated. There's one place to do it all. And right. Send it on its way. I remember when I started my career, I was working at a place called Par, and they had created eons ago a, a controller called the Simrock, right? So this dates back to, I'm going to say the late 60s, probably early 70s, way before red relays and all of these other yeah, things, sure. right? And uh, I remember I was heading out on the road to troubleshoot something older than me. <laughs> and uh, one of our guys in the shop pulled out like this, the original like e-stop drawing for this thing and i don't know if this was like how they built it or if he had hand drawn <laughs> his own after the fact yeah but it was very much like a single channel thing and he's right. like these are all the things you're gonna have to check and i'm looking at it going oh my yeah. like and this was in oh two oh three right um and and who would have ever thought right and i think about do you remember wiring the uh those little comb connectors on the inside of the Fanuc robots, the safety circuits there. Mm-hmm. So you get, I think it was a Phoenix uh, connector, a little orange one, and it was all dual channel, right? So when they shipped from the factory, they had these little jumpers pre-installed. Oh, sure. So in order to get it off, you needed like two screwdrivers and like hold them in your hand and shove them in and hope oh, you get, boy. or you needed the right tool, right? I found out a decade <laughs> after yeah. I was doing it, like there's a tool that does it's this. always but, is. Man, <laughs> kind of like mechanics, right? I mean, you, you used to tinker with cars, right? So 
you know, if you've got the right tool, it's oh. uh, it just works, right? Yep. Special tools are no joke, especially if you're trying to get stuff out the door quick. How about the uh, absence of the sack of cables and adapter plugs oh. that are no longer in your toolbox and or backpack? Well, funny enough, you bring that up because <laughs> it never ceases to amaze me that uh, a customer will call up and say, hey, I've got a... Uh, one of those slick deals, you know, they're vaguely s- describing this thing. And it's like, which color is it? And they're like, it's white. And it's like, oh boy, is this like 150 by any chance? You know, it's like 100, any of these like older, you know, non-modular yeah. uh, PLCs. And it's, you know, you go, I, I still got the bag. I just used it. I had to get it. <laughs> I had to do uh, DH485 to upload a program from a slick. Uh, oh, no. So they're still out there. And yeah. I, I still carry that dang bag around, uh, which is crazy. But every time I go in it, I'm like, this is this is insane. It's archaic, right? Yeah. And, and now, you know, you know, we used to have the the serial port. That was kind of our that was on your baseline. Laptop. Yeah, we, we had a serial port on your, on your laptop and you had a serial port like on the PLC, right? Sure. And uh, that was like, well, I, I know I can use this, right? So you always yeah. carried that cable. And now it's an Ethernet cable. Yeah. Right. What's the, the the biggest problem you have is understanding which IP you can assign to your right. computer. Right. Uh, and if you can't figure that out, then use the USB on the front and it self configures and everything just shows up. You yeah. know. So yeah, the bag of cables, man. Well, and I remember, I'm gonna say, this is probably about 14 years ago. IT's like, hey, we're ordering you guys new computers, and for whatever reason, they deemed me as like the technologist guy. And they're like, well, what do you need? And so I spec'd it out. And at the time, we had like a USB cable. I think I might have been working for a German company. So we had like a USB cable that went to serial. Mm-hmm. And that you could use to configure everything. Right? Sure. And so I, I spec'd one out without a serial port. And my peers, you'd have thought, <laughs> they're like, w- w- where's the serial port? I'm right. like, well, I don't need one. I have this USB thing. Well, Justin, you, you don't understand. And I'm like, no think i do i think i do yeah excuse me um but it's uh a long long time ago i don't know if you ever saw these but micro center which is a the, 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 the awesome store. version of radio Shack, yeah right? like well they're still around <laughs> and you can buy stuff besides cell phones and rc cars in them um they had this kit it was like four or five different rj40 or uh D sub connectors, right? So some nine, some 15s, whatever. 25. Yep. And you had them on both ends so you could get them either gender. And then you connected them with an eight wire RJ45 cable. Sure. So you could make any combination of, you know, null modem, serial, parallel, whatever, right? As long as it was eight wires or less. And you could build these little connectors up like you'd put the pins in the slots. And yeah. So I had a sack of connectors and then my one cable. That was my, uh, that's your yeah. tip. Yep. Back then. Yeah, it's crazy, you know, <clears throat> talking about Pack Expo here, uh, you know, talking about the cables and, and then now what we're seeing on machines, you know, it's, you know, beautiful HMI graphics and, and, and all the data you could ever imagine in, in these machines. And it's all right there. There's There's no extra, you know, a lot of times there's no extra. You obviously can... Uh, but it's crazy to walk around now and just see, you know, the, the small innovations that you think 
don't make a huge difference. But when it's all kind of put together, you got these nice looking stack lights, nice looking HMIs, mm-hmm. and the aesthetics of machines. Mm-hmm. You know, they just they look nice, yeah. uh, which is crazy. And then you start digging into the data that they have. You know, talking about uh, hardwired versus Ethernet and all the data that comes back that we never had, right? Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, wh- whatever kind of device it is, networked, IO link, Ethernet, guard yeah. link, you know, how, Profinet, you know, all these different networks, how much data they're bringing back and how important that's becoming to help people make decisions, uh, you know, as, as lines start to slim down, they run more yeah. products. Yeah, uh, and more changeovers and stuff. So it's just thinking about all those cables and then coming into into the what we saw today on the floors. Well, and even crazy. VFDs, right? So I think back to again, we started our careers at a similar time frame. We're not that different in age, and uh, I think about like the old VFDs, and and you can still do this today, right? So this isn't even exclusive to old, but you'd have your your five wires, right? It was like your start. Your oh, yeah. stop, which was a normally closed, and then the three wire speed pot. Yeah, three wire start stop, and that was it, yep. right? And maybe you got a fault signal back, but we never looked at current no. or frequency. Like, you just hit the button and it just ran. And now, what? Like a a PowerFlex drive, which is our family that we sell all the time. Like, there's what a hundred things going back and forth, oh. nonstop, every millisecond, yeah. I mean, like, over a thousand parameters. It's crazy, yeah. Yeah, you did forget one thing though. On the old drives, it was a sharpie to mark where the pot is supposed to be, because <laughs> uh, you know you have to mark where you line that thing up, where it runs right, and then you know that might be product A, and then there might be another sharpie for product B, and you know the operators just went in there and. You know, turn to turn the pot. <laughs> so much for one button changeover, right. right? Like, oh man, and and you know the amount of time that takes. But yeah, it's uh, definitely changed. Yeah, and I think you know the the other thing that's I I, I don't want to even say it's on the horizon. It's kind of already here. Is this push towards wireless? Right. I keep hearing, hey, wireless, 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 mm-hmm. or you know the non-contact power. That's pretty wild, right? right. We're pumping air, air gap, whether that's on a packaging machine, on a flighted, you know, chain or, or ICT system, or you know, when you think about AGVs and AMRs, where they just pull up to a spot on the floor and you're charging inductively. Like, right? We used to run bus bars everywhere, and you know, yep. have to drag cables on cables, and it was all about that contact. And yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that's another crazy shift that. I don't know that I saw it coming. Yeah, it's and we've used it, or I've used it, I should say, a couple times. You know, uh, on turret style machines or filling machines, where you've got a, a large spinning load, and uh, you know, you you need to get a slip ring, which can be expensive depending sure. on the current and, and number of um, leads you can pass through the slip yep. ring and things like that. So, you know, a lot of times you can just stick a wireless radio on there, run you know, run DC usually yeah. out there and power the radio and you got your rack out there and you're good to go. Yep. Uh, and it's, it's from what I've done, you know, it's pretty dang robust um, and, and fast, you know, it's yeah. just like we've done class one connections in there, yep. you know, with a pretty decent RPI, low RPI. Uh, yeah. The wireless is crazy. And even more so, you know, even in industries like process, 
where that probably won't fly. You know, it, obviously for like tank farm levels and things like that, they'll do uh, do wireless. But for that, you know, where they have things like heart or 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 other things where they're on a cable, you know, this APL, that advanced physical layer, the two-pair Ethernet, I think we're going to start to see a lot of that uh, start to come up uh, in other industries. And you should explain a little bit about what heart is. I mean, there's a, there's people sure. here that might not have understood, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So heart is uh, it's, it's run over top of a standard, you know, power signal. So whether that's, you know, typically, typically it's going to be four to 20, right? You got a four to 20 milliamp series circuit. Um, and over the top of that power, you superimpose, uh, I guess, how nerdy do we want to get the Bell 202 serial standard over top of the, sure. uh, you know, the power and, and, and back comes some some information very slowly, of course. Yep. Um, but it's been around, you know, there's many iterations of it, but uh, they even have wireless heart, too. So that is a thing um, that you can do. Uh, but yeah, heart is has been around for a long, long time, but yeah. it works great. Right, so and it gives you access to what, like four double integer type parameters or something on yep. top of the analog signal, yep. right? So configurable, yeah. Usually there's a, some configurable parameters that you can do, uh, you know, based on the device, of course. Yep. Uh, simple, you know, flow meter or something uh, might not have that many, but yeah, you can customize them and you use a little handheld or, you know, even even PLCs have built-in modems, right? So sure. you bring them in and you can do it all in, in one place in that integrated uh, design environment. So, yeah, uh, yeah we are, we're, we're bouncing back and forth between history and <laughs> and very future stuff here. Oh, for sure. It, which and, is cool. And it's not, a, it's not a long reach, right? So I think, you know, just back to uh, kind of that heart thing. Uh, hey, did you ever try any of the uh, the modules that would run Ethernet over your power lines in your home? No, I, I never. I, I remember reading about that, though. I like, had a pair. Did you? And it worked great. Yeah. Like I needed to get signal, and this was before Wi-Fi was awesome, right? So yeah, right. we went from no Wi-Fi to then people would put Cat5 in their houses, right, or do their best mm-hmm. to you know, and eh, what are we going to do? And then now Wi-Fi, you can beam like down the block. Right. Yeah. But I had this thing and it sat in the power and it basically, it, it turned your 110 lines throughout your house into, into com cables. Yeah. And it would kind of put that ethernet signal over the top of the 110. And, uh, I don't know. I was pulling like 50, 60 meg, you know, one to the other, Yeah. but it's cause I needed, you know, my, my modem was in the basement and I needed up at my desk or sure. vice versa. I needed my you know, lab equipment to work or whatever. Right. They just worked. Yeah. Um, now of course we don't think about any of that sort of stuff, but no. a wire. Um, no. I mean, I did run cat five in my house. Of course but, you did. <laughs> uh, and what year was this in? Uh, it was five years ago. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. What's funny though, you know, it's almost like an oxymoron saying, well, I'm going to run Ethernet over my AC power, right? Because how hard do we try to separate data from... In a panel? Yeah. Nonstop. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, oh, no, that, you know, that, 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 that fluctuating current. <laughs> Noise. Yeah, right. That'll never work. It's never going to work. And they're going to get interference and, you know, yeah. the, uh, the signal's not going to be, you know, reliable. And it's like it's almost like so far off the deep end that it works, but yeah, right, it's just funny right. that we try so hard to separate data and power. Oh yeah. That's literally putting the two together. Uh, 
Well, just thinking of that. isn't that how X10 worked too? The one of the, the original home automation, home automation protocols. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think that's how it worked. <laughs> Could yeah. have. Um, which it, it always fascinates me as we think about just like and speeds too, right? So oh. we're on the show floor uh, Saturday night, <laughs> and yeah. uh, we connected a, a asset that is cloud based, right? So everything's getting pushed down, right? And we connect, and we plug in the cable, and we're pulling like a half a meg download. It's like point two. Yeah, and uh, and and recently at home, right? So it's it's me and my daughter, and we had a eighty to a hundred meg, meg pipe. Yeah, and uh, periodically we would bump up against some constraints or whatever, and uh, I, I giggle now because you know we asked the guy yesterday, like, well, how much how much bandwidth do you need, right? Like, can you quantify what's what's the bandwidth required by uh, what is that right now? So I I just pulled up my. Uh so my my Wi-Fi does a daily speed test at home. At home, yep. And today's results were nine hundred twelve down, and eight hundred and sixty four up. <laughs> How do you go up that fast? There's my question. That's 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 a lot of uh, that's uh, fiber. That's fiber straight into the house. Really? Mm-hmm. There's like when they did it, he ran a whole fiber from the curb to right to the. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So mine is not as impressive. It's 230 Mm. down, but only 5.59 up. Yeah. Insert prices right. Losing noise here. (laughs) I've got it on one of these button pads, (laughs) but it it might be this one here. No. We'll get it figured out. Yeah. What episode is this? 24? Maybe it's 25. (laughs) Oh, okay. Maybe it's 22 where you figure it out. (laughs) Oh. But we did uh, we, we did have a workaround, right? So in typical tech guy fashion, we hooked yeah, up a right. cell phone yeah. with a wireless hotspot, and we got over a hundred meg. And the demo worked flawlessly on a cell. P- I mean, yeah. everyone's happy as we hit you know the, the the two polar opposites through this whole thing here of cables and you know you know how many adapters we used to have, and now we're to Ethernet everything. Right? There's another one. We can't even get fast internet on a cable anymore we got to use a, a cell phone <laughs> you know and and we're pulling a hundred mag down over that's, yeah it was like 180 when we started it up yeah oh which you know i i've i've poo-pooed on the the 5g right um i still believe we've built a lot of factories in the middle of nowhere out of materials that make them a faraday cage right um so i'm leery at best but then I see what we did, and, and again we're in Chicago, right? So it, it is right. legit five G amazingness. Yeah, at nearly two hundred meg. Yeah, like bonkers. Yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. I mean, all that's sitting in your pocket. I remember, yeah. you know, if we keep going, bouncing back and forth here, I remember yeah. sitting, uh, you know, trying to log on to AOL Instant Messenger, right? And you hear, yeah, ding ding ding, you know. And listen, it's like, come on, baby, you know, and then watching those little lights yeah, in the watch. bottom corner and on then, the computer yep. icon blinking. You hear your mom upstairs go to the phone and get on the phone and call her <laughs> friend. You're like, ah, oh, <laughs> there goes the instant messenger, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, can you imagine if, I mean, my kids get mad. You know, we watch a lot of Netflix and, you know, all these streaming services and we'll watch regular TV, you know, quote unquote regular TV and there's a commercial or something dad what what's this did you pause it you know it's like all these things or we'll watch an old movie like you know uh my wife and i'll 
like, oh, this is our favorite movie when we were kids, or, you know. And uh, you turn it on, there's previews. Oh, sure, right? sure. On and I even almost forgot whatever. about yeah. previews. Yeah, right. Because we watch all the movies on Netflix or where, yeah, you know whatever streaming time. services, all those movies are usually on there. Yeah. We threw in a DVD or something, you know, and <laughs> uh, there's previews. And they're like, what are they? What's is this a movie? Like, what's I'm like, oh, these are previews. These are actually pretty good. <laughs> And but, you can't fast forward nope, through yeah, them. Yeah, it's, it's coded in the yeah, desk. Right. You're stuck. Get the big can't sign going. It's like, well, we're stuck. This is when we go make popcorn. We come back when the movie's on. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I remember, so, you know, we, we moved in uh, 1998 from central Wisconsin to the greater Minneapolis suburbia. And uh, we made the leap from one phone line to we moved. And now we had a little cash. Two phone lines, so you did not get interrupted when mom picked up the phone. That's right. That was baller. Yep. It that was, was like, the thing to have. All right. We are rolling in it. <laughs> yeah. Still had to wait for the noise, but no interruption. Right. Yeah. And just the, you know, and, and that's the one thing, and, and I've noticed this too, and we're we're all over the map, but that's cool. Uh, people who know how our brains work know it's just kind of a hot dumpster fire anyway. <laughs> Um, but I think about bandwidth, I think about file size, I think about the bloat that has come with operating systems, right? So yeah, it, it was funny. My brother, I'm going to say this was like four years ago. He called me up. He's like, Hey, you going to get the new version of windows? And I went, and I don't know if this was 10 or 11, it doesn't matter. Right. And, and he's, I don't know, eight, 10 years younger than me. So he's used to his phone, like updating an app every day. And he, right. like, that's what's expected. So he's always the first one to rush out and get something new. And I said, well, hang on a second. So what's new about it? He's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, is there a screen that I see with icons on it? He goes, well, yeah. I said, can I double click on those and they launch an application? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I said, well, that sounds like the windows that I already have. Right. And so we had this debate and. Um, and I get the security and all the patching and advancements yeah, and yeah, yeah. all the network stacks that have changed over the years. But fundamentally, I look at that and I'm like, holy shit, we've bloated things, right? Like we ran Whoa. what you just highlighted, 9600, 19.2, right? We're talking kilobit. And now we're complaining that we're like <laughs> only 100 meg. Right. Like what the shit are we doing? It's, right. it's crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, it. it's, you know. It's the data that we were talking about earlier where people want the data. And it's like, we got to figure out how to move all that data. And you, I, I always think about how much stuff is in our OneDrive. Like how much, I, I put everything in there. And I got VM images, you know, that are 40 uh, gig a piece, at least. That's maybe a minimum. Right. And it's like, oh, I'll just start a OneDrive. <laughs> There's probably terabytes in there that I've got taken up but yeah definitely well, yeah and and i guess that's the other piece too is i start to think about like so at home because i have made a lot of poor choices with my data storage i've lost a lot of stuff over the years right yeah like sure single point of failure boom gone and now right. you lose everything so i've got a rate array mm-hmm. and i think when i set it up 10 years ago i set it up to be like 12 terabytes and i was like i'll never run never yeah but then when your mac runs time machine once a day right all of a sudden you turn on you're like ooh, i used up eight 
<laughs> they haven't even stored anything on it yet. Like, right. That's kind of a weird feeling, too. Um, and then, as a former developer guy, I used to save everything. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't want to, you, you might be able to use that code that you wrote with like a ton of move instructions or. Oh, really yeah. Poorly. I mean, that's the best way to do it <laughs> for sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, I do the same thing. I get terrified. Like, I, I can't lose that. Like proof, right. you know, proof of concept thing I did. I could use that somewhere else. Yeah. And then the truth is at some point, like you said, single point of failure, it goes away. And you're like, oh, that's right. I haven't had access to that. I never used it for the last 10 right. years. And right. I don't know what it is about letting go of like that thing you created. Uh, but yeah, I am the exact same way. I export. That's yeah. why I say I put everything in OneDrive. As soon as I yeah. do it, export, save, OneDrive. Yeah. It, and I've, I've 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 completely gone off the rails on that piece at work. Um, so we made the move from what was it, Lotus Notes to oh, yeah. Outlook. It was yeah. probably seven years ago. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I used to keep everything religiously in folders. Like if I got an email from a customer, or from mm-hmm. a tech guy, like mm-hmm. it filed away. And mm-hmm. I remember. Uh, older Outlooks, right? You'd have the PST or the OST file. Mm-hmm. And if they got too big, you had to like create a new one. Well, I had multiples of those like backed up for sure. years. We made the switch to Outlook and I haven't put a single email <laughs> in a single folder since. So those of you that have sent me emails that have not been responded to. Send um, it again. Yeah. Call, signal, carrier <laughs> pigeon, anything. But it's not in a folder with your name on it. Yeah, I... <laughs> I uh, I am the complete opposite. <laughs> I have a folder for everything because again, I know I'll remember. You know that one time you're 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 thinking about it. And it's like I know I got an email from so and so, and you start to like you know forensically figure out you know what date was that meeting and all this stuff. Keyword, and yeah, and it's like oh I don't remember who was in it, but I know this guy was in it. Uh, you know, or whatever little clue you've got. But yeah, I. I, uh, yeah, I've got a folder for everything, every person, every customer, every, you know, our distributor is all of it. It's very well organized. Uh, so yeah, maybe we, on the next transition we make, maybe I'll sure, get rid of it. Sure. <laughs> well, so I, I, I have to ask, do you still keep paper notes? Oh yeah. No shit. Yeah. Like with a book and pens. I mean, the main part is because my kids lost my Apple pencil, but, uh, <laughs> and I, I'm too cheap to buy another one. But uh, I am a huge fan of writing things. If I had my backpack here, I'd, I'd show sure. you. But uh, I, I write it down all the time. Uh, whether I'm, I'm programming and I'll like, figure out, you know, when you're moving a data around, you know, okay, if I'm indirectly addressing this in a for loop or whatever, you know okay, if this one's this, this one's that, and kind of writing it out like, okay, that'll work or whatever. And and the only type of paper I can write on is graph paper. I have to. Really? Oh, yeah. Like, I just, the square graph paper, I, those are the only notebooks I'll use. Interesting. Yeah, I hate regular ones because it's easier to draw stuff. So it's funny you mentioned that too because I, I was just reading or I'm just about to finish up a book about the guy that like started Skunk Works, right? Um Kelly. I can't remember if that's his first or his last name. Anyway, it talks about the history of like starting out, working through things and and you like, hey, you're the sole person responsible. I'm going to give you a really small team. We're not going to ask any questions. Here's your budget. Go. And like 
without the rules, like how fast you can execute and, and deliver stuff. But one of the things, the, the stories that he talked about in there was he had found some sort of notebook that he really liked. And I forget if it was like completely lineless or if it was some sort of special hatch, you know, grid pattern. Sure. But you couldn't commercially buy these things. And so over the time, like this guy became a vice president or whatever yeah. of like this division. So like his admin would go out and have these notebooks custom made oh, with the lines or the grid pattern <laughs> that he wanted, that he was used to. And they just showed up, right? So he didn't even know. Yeah, these just And uh, years later he found out, oh man, they've been doing all this special work to make me my special notebooks, hey. which is cool. Yeah, whatever works. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I just... I like that. I use a lot of arrows when I take notes because I write fast and uh, I don't need a lot of room for additional stuff. So I, a lot of arrows and it makes it easy to connect the dots with the graph. I don't know. So you use jump statements on yeah, paper. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yes. That's a terrible choice. Well, hey. It may as well be a move instruction. It's true. I guess that's what it is. It's like an analog <laughs> jump, jump label <laughs> with an arrow. Do the arrows ever go upwards? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So I gotta it run. is bi-directional. Somewhere then. times to run out of room on the bottom. You know, you got to <laughs> use what you got. So does the, the preferred notebook flip over the top or does it go no, sideways? It's, uh, I had one from a, a, a company <laughs> uh, that will remain, uh, remain nameless. But uh, it was the best notebook I ever had. And yeah. it got me turned on to these these graph paper notebooks and yeah. then I filled that one up and that one was a spiral style. So you could fold it completely either way. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It was the best notebook ever. Uh, and now I've just got the ones you can get at target. So they're like the composition style. Oh, sure. So sure. it's got that crappy glued. Yeah. The you know, binder. Yeah. The, the, edge the or spine. The, yeah. 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 And so you can't fold it all the way around. So it's got like a big hump. So when you're writing on it, you're like at a, you're writing on a Funky downhill, yeah. you know, so it's all right. But, do we need to get you custom notebooks? Probably. Printed? I mean, yeah. if that's what comes out of this, that's great. We got a copier at the office. Can you just print graph paper and then bring it to Kinko's and bind it? Well, they got a hole punch right in there. All oh. you got to do is get a three ringer. Oh, we'll I don't want that. String no. them up. No. No? I mean, right. we can try. We can try. I'm just saying it's possible. It's possible. Um. So today you you mentioned some of the data we're talking about, and I, I think, you know, we've talked about this. It was kind of the, the, the point of one of the, the, the discussions I had today on the innovation stage, but it was around, like, we've got all this data. What are we going to do with it, right? right. And, and, and people are always like, man, I want to do something. And I think about, like, when we grew up and there was that one kid that was like, I got these big dreams, and then he'd go, like, sit on the couch and play Nintendo and never went outside or did anything about those dreams. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of data. Yeah. I, I want it all. Right. Just store it all. Just, but I'm just going to keep running my factory. Don't worry about where all that data went. Yeah. We'll and I'm not going to put any context around it. TT 101 is fine. Like, <laughs> everyone will know what that means. Yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting topic because... No two companies or people or, or, or engineers or scientists or whoever these people are collecting this data, they're all at different points. So sure. You, you can't go in with, um, oh, well, you have all your data in SQL. Fantastic. Here's the plan for that. Call me if you have trouble. That's not really how it works, right? It's 
well, we have some data in Lotus Notes because we just switched from that, like, you know, and now we have it in OneDrive, <laughs> yeah. and we got some in in you know some cloud service, and we got some of it, you know, and the list goes on of where the data is, what format it's in, how you're going to get it, what's the tool to bring it all together, how do you kind of normalize, you know, this stuff, and it it's a big it's a big to do, but and and I think people understand there's value there, but they don't really know how to apply that value to the, to the problem they're trying to solve at that time, maybe. And uh, it, it certainly is valuable, right? I mean, look at Google. They've, they've literally ruled the world with data. They, they own right. almost everything you do on the internet. You know, it's, it's anything with a cookie is being stored somewhere and yeah. it could potentially be sold. Uh, so data is very powerful, uh, of course. And, and I think if you can, like Google did, if you can apply it in the right way, you know, the possibilities are endless. And, you know, maybe that's why not a lot of people tell us what they're doing with their data. You know, they want to keep that special sauce or whatever that may be. Maybe. Maybe. But I also remember, and we'll pick on the medical device industry a little bit here, right? So you would go to medical device maker A, and they're like, hey, we're going to bring you in here, but, you know, it's all secret. It's all NDAs. Cool. So what is it? It's a handful of plastic bowl feeders, and there are parts that nest inside of parts, whatever this is, right? And so we apply a little glue. We stick them together. Maybe we do an ultrasonic vibratory weld on them, right? And we go to the next one. And and this actually happened to me last summer. A guy goes, hey, so we're going to go in this room. And you and I have been in and out of these facilities piles of times, right? Sure. So not much you're going to show us that's probably not already been seen. The guy goes, you know, you, we got to keep this. This is like super cutting edge of what we're doing here. And, you know, our, you know, even our own company doesn't know what we're doing. I'm like, cool. I'm like, but just I'm going to predict couple pieces of plastic glue vibratory put a seal on it leak test it put it in a wrapper and he goes have you already seen videos of this somewhere <laughs> I'm like no dude but i've seen the other hundred lines that are just like it in the country that makes something different right i don't care what you're making i and there's nuances right sizes shapes oh, like sure. the whole thing but fundamentally it's all kind of the same yeah could be and and i don't know i, th I think about data right like that's one of the debates that we have with people is they go, hey, I don't want you to see my recipes because mm -hmm. you'll be able to figure out what I'm making. Right. Cool. Mask that part out. Maybe. But even with it, I don't think I can figure out what you're making anyway. Right. Um, we had this debate with, with when we went with our motion sizing tool on the Internet. People are like, well, if somebody hacks it, then they can see how my machine works. It goes, yeah, but all that tells you is what the motors are doing. Right. Doesn't tell you how any of the rest of it works. Right. What your gearbox is like programming. There's a yeah, there's a lot of gaps missing here, but ooh, you know, we feel kind of uncomfortable. And I'm like, you bank on one of these things as I'm holding up my iPhone, yeah. right? Like there's there's ways to make this secure. There's ways to to mask it out and, and even with this, like they know exactly what I'm doing. But does it matter? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe never know. Right? <laughs> um, Which is scary in itself. Well, and it was funny, too. So after my little talk today, I had a guy come up and was talking about OEE. And he's like, hey, man, uh, 
our facility went from like 26 OEE to 46 OEE in a year. Because when I was going through the why your data matters, what are you going to do with it? I talked about like half percent increments, right? Like sure. even those small gains at big scale, it's big yeah, box, right? right so right, right. aim low. Um, but this guy was talking about how they made this almost a 100% leap, right? And uh, he's like, yeah, man, it was really, it was really good to hear you talk about smaller increments and like, our management just thinks we're going to yank out another extra 20% and be better. And I'm like, nah, maybe, I mean, it sounds like that's a long, long jump from where you were, but right. I, it, it's ambitious rock and roll. Right. So, uh, you know, how did they do it? Some of it was data and some of it was making those decisions. And he's like, yeah, we you know, looked at some of the faults and yeah. so all the right things started to add up, but I just, it, it's super timely. And I feel like every time I have the conversation that I'm like, it's, Starting from scratch, like deja vu. I know where this is going to go, but maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I know you can see small gains in, in things like we're, we're, you know, predicting maintenance and things like that, which is super, super cool. Yeah. You know, things that humans really, one, probably don't care to do or, or potentially even can't. Uh, so it's, you know, when it's applied the right way, I think it's, it's going to be cool see what when it catches yeah and i i think it's one of those things where you don't know what you don't know totally and, and i'll look at this from 3d printing so I, I think i've told this story on here before but uh 10 years ago i bought my first printer mm-hmm. 3d printer and it happened to be a maker bot because i didn't know any better and it went to the internet and ordered it <laughs> and it shows up and i remember people you know friends of mine co-workers my parent and my dad they're like what are you gonna do with it and i'm like I'm not really sure yet, but then I got it and I started doing all sorts of cool stuff, right. making little jigs for, you know, lining things up. And, you know, we've built some stuff that, you know, at work, right? Like just different game tools and all sorts right. of like, it's just so flexible. Well, I, it's funny you say that because when I bought my first one, you were the one of the people, oh, you just got to get one. And then you, <laughs> you, you just make stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't. I haven't had a need to make anything quite yet. So why would I buy this tool? And, uh, you know, we had other people telling me the same thing. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll pull, pull the trigger. And it's true. You, you get going and it's like, oh, I could make a little fishing pole, you know, holder. Or, you know, I'll just yeah. make a little, a little loop around this, you know, hold something or whatever it is. And it's right. like, all right. I can kind of see where this is going, but I did, I did, you know, I was like skyrocketing in use of my printer and then it just fell off. Sure. Right. Sure. Dust collecting. But now I got to make some stuff again. And uh, it's like, oh yeah, I kind of forgot about those couple things that I was going to come print. Right. You go back through your history right. on Thingiverse or right. in your Cura, you're like, oh, I forgot about yeah, those. I should probably print that. <laughs> right. I needed it. Yeah. The printer set up prime. <laughs> I got to, I got to take advantage of this. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. You don't know, right? It's like, I don't know. Maybe I'll just get the tool and see what happens. Yeah, right? yeah. So, yeah, it's fun though. It's very very cool. And uh, my kids, they have uh, they go to a gym and they have like a kids camp or kids uh, care, you know, sure for an hour. And uh, they have a three D printer in there. And so he, I didn't know that. And he came. What gym is this at? Lifetime. Your lifetime has a 3D printer in the child care center? Yeah. That's totally new. I, I, I know. He came home. So I, he came home uh, with this 
beautiful print. I mean, you know, you could barely tell it was 3D printed. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, Dad, look what I 3D printed at, at the gym. Like, wait, you guys were gone for an hour and you have a, like, <laughs> like the 3D printer they have must be insane. Yeah, because uh, that would take what, what you held oh, up was about the size of a fist, right? Or yeah, two fists. About, yeah, about the size of my fist. And too. those are anywhere between on my printer, yeah, four true. and 20 hours, depending on the detail. Yeah, right. And it, it, this one was perfect. Huh. Yeah. Came, I printed this. I'm like, well, who, who did the 3D model? Right. What do you mean? I don't know. There's a screen. You just push a button. It prints out a Charizard. Ah, uh, right? sure, sure, sure. So it sounds like they've got... Some pre canned yeah, yeah, right, right. But they just pick the color and then it, you know, goes and grabs and bang, comes sure, home with it. Sure. Like, I'm gonna start sending you with some uh some <laughs> STL files. <laughs> Use their filament. Well, and you're over on the west side of town, which is also home to Stratasys. Yes. So is it plausible that I some would... like Stratasys mom or dad was like Hey, yeah. we got this machine in the back. Let's donate it to Lifetime, right? Yeah, like, I wouldn't doubt maybe? it. I wouldn't doubt it. But yeah, it's it's cool too to see uh stuff like that in a childcare. Yeah, you I know, would have never expected that. I, I right. wouldn't have either. But it's it's we've it's, got markers and crayons yeah. and a jungle gym at yeah. ours. So. And maybe, you know, the majority of the Lincoln too. logs yeah. you didn't lose. But uh yeah, a whole different set of toys, I guess yeah. you could call yeah. them for these kids. But yeah. He likes it. No, that's awesome. And then uh, here at the show, I know there's been a focus around some of the, you know, merging technologies. We've got some of the, um, the different, you know, student contests and things like that. So that's always fun. I love hanging out around those things. And, uh, you know, I keep thinking, man, I'm getting dumber by the minute. These kids are just <laughs> I know. blazing right. past, right? Um in just the, the the level of knowledge they've got, like, but also some of the stuff they're missing. I mean, I think uh, where where you and I grew up, yeah, it was all you gave me the the the, the jazz hands yeah. here, <laughs> but uh, you know, knowing how to build stuff, knowing how to tear it apart, knowing kind of the fundamentals of how it works, not through YouTube, not through doing YouTube. it in yeah. your like grandpa's garage, right? Yep. Well, and who was I talking to today? And they're like. Well, how do you know how to learn? And I'm like, you just screw it up a couple of times and then right. you figure it out, right? right? Like, just take it apart. Might not go back together. We're not sure yet. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, yeah. That I did all the time. I got a whole box, a huge Rubbermaid tote full of resistors and, you know, motors sure, sure. and all the, you know, just these things. And it's just fun to, you know, come up with stuff for uses for them. Right. But, I mean, when, when we were kids, uh, I don't remember. I mean, short of Radio Shack, right? But now, having, like, electronics on hand. No. There was no manual. Where were you going to go? There was no YouTube to show you how to build <laughs> you a circuit. You could go to the library you and have check to go out to a the book, library. Right? You have to go to Radio Shack. Or probably go to the, get the book first, you know, what to buy. But, you know, it's like a, that's like a year process, maybe, like, <laughs> just to build a, you know, a little circuit. And now this... These kids have uh, this massive accessibility to these electronic, like Arduinos and Raspberry sure, Pis. Sure. And they're like three dollars. Yeah, and and you can jump on YouTube and and understand how to code, you know, an IoT sensor that can tell you when your sump pump's full. Sure, you sure. know, and maybe you could probably do that in a half a day. Yep. And uh, 
it's just wild that, you know, we were kind of at, uh, we didn't have that huge bang of technology. Mm-hmm. And now it's just, it's everywhere. You can't go anywhere without it. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting is uh, how many kids don't want to do it. Like that don't embrace. I feel like there's kids that love the technology and that's like, just like what they do. And sure. there's other kids that are just like, I don't really care how it works. Just make it work and I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, Seems I think a, there's a lot of that. Yeah, like a big divide, and there's no one really in the middle, it seems. No, and it's weird, too, right? So I, I took a, uh, a video clip walking through one of our customers' booths today after I got their permission, and it was uh, <laughs> grabbing a picture of all the different stuff that they've packed, right? And you sent it. I sent it to my daughter and uh, a couple of family members, right? And they're like... I would have never even thought about how all that stuff happens. Like that's, I guess that's the beauty of what we do for day jobs, right? Is people go to the store and they buy cereal and they buy cars and they know that, you know, people like General Mills and Ford Motor Company made these things. Right. But I still don't think anybody has any idea how that happens or who's making the things that make the things. Right. Right. Our OEM community, our machine builders, like, and, and our boss's watch, right? Or my boss's watch. We had this, um, he's got a cool watch. It was like two unique watches that were then married together later in a different case. And like, it's a hundred year old piece of art. Like it is no tech, right? Right. You had nothing. Yeah. I'm assuming a couple of like precision files or something, <laughs> right? Like, I don't even know. Yeah. I, yeah. Nothing. No computer aided anything. No, no, you know, laser cut or water jet. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, how, how accessible it is, is, I mean, like we were talking, you can get a, over a hundred meg internet on your phone, right? Like what? Unlimited yeah. for the whole month. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no minutes. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. We you, you remember on. when the internet had minutes, right? Like, oh yeah. I went through, I went through net zero. I went through, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, name your Juno, yeah, AOL, whatever. Name your internet provider here, and they all had like a thirty-day, you know, free. So sign up, you get thirty free days. I'm like, oh, I'll just burn through these, and then uh, I guess I'll land a one if I really <laughs> like this internet thing. But I'm gonna try it out first. It's all right. Oh yeah. Oh man. Well, it's getting a little late here. We're, uh, I guess, we'll shove off. We've hit the hour mark just about here. Um, thank you for humoring the, uh, the back and forth and around and around. Um, but really cool to be doing this while we're at, uh, pack expo Chicago. So, uh, this probably will air Wednesday, which means it'll be the last day of the show, which means we're not going to invite you to come see us cause we're already going to be gone. <laughs> um, but yeah, any, uh, any final thoughts before we, uh, shove off here? No, thanks for listening. Thanks for having me. Heck yeah. Anytime. Catch you later. And that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed your time with us, please like and subscribe. My Keep the letters coming so to automationadvocates at gmail.com. These sound Until way next different time, than my sound listening too. Like they're not as The opinions clean. in the show are ours and not representative of our employers. Oh, While normally polished, way. occasionally we might slide off the rails and into the ditch. Shit. Forgive us for that one. <laughs> and both get caught in mouth. <laughs>